This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. This is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today we have Kieran on from Textio, and we're, our topic today, which I think is a fascinating topic, is chat GPT and the future of HR tech. And good God, this thing could be at least a day long, but we're going to try and wrap it up in about 25 minutes or so. And who better than to talk to the founder of Textio? Um, she knows more about this than, than pretty much anybody I know. So, Kieran, would you do us a favor and introduce yourself and Textio? You bet. So I'm really glad to be here. My name is Kieran Snyder. I use she, her pronouns, and I am the CEO and one of the two founders of Textio. I'm so excited about this topic. Uh, at Textio, we have been making software to help people write content about people at work for a number of years now. So we help our customers write inclusive job posts, recruiting mail, performance feedback, all the nuts and bolts stuff that you're writing every day at work and sort of help you optimize it for inclusion uh, in a way that's pretty automatic in software. So really excited to be here and talk about this. Well, and I've I've loved, I've loved Textio and what y'all have done uh, for a hundred years now. But for the audience, if they're not familiar, um, so you might think of Grammarly, right? Uh, okay, that's cool for like spelling and grammar. Uh, Textio goes, I mean, that's that's like table stakes, but it goes much, much, much deeper into the word choices that we make and uh, and and what other people might view those word choices as. So I, I remember using Textio a couple of years ago and it would it would tell me because I write, you know, as a man, I write like <laughs> right <laughs> shockingly you know, enough. My my emails, even some of the words that I would use were like, you know, it kind of dialed me back and just made me aware of just word choice, which I thought was was fantastic. And I know and you know, back then, you 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 really helped me kind of have, have a better understanding of my own writing. Well, thanks, you. That is good to hear. And yeah, you you said it really well. You know, a, a product like Grammarly sort of helps you avoid mortification. You know, right. it helps right. you get 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 the That's commas right. in the right place, get your grammar in the right place. Textio really goes a step beyond and helps you see how other people might receive what you're saying. Right. And that could be about word choice. It could be about structure. It's really about communication broadly. And it's always learning. That's the, that's the beauty of it yes. is it's always, it's always learning and getting better so that as things change, as you change as a writer, it's always trying to make you better, which, which I love. Thank you. I love your work. Thank you uh, so much for, for the, what you do with Textio. But let's talk about Chat GPT. By the way, I hate the name. Um, what when it first you you probably saw this uh, much sooner than probably the the average uh, practitioner. What do you initially think of it, and and how do you? And again, the topic of how do you think that's going to influence what we do in HR tech? Yeah. Well. 
ChatGPT is just the front end for a technology that's been in development for a long time. Right. Uh, and so underneath, I'll just do a little like terminology check because I think it can be a little confusing for a lot of people who might be listening. So ChatGPT is the app uh, where you can go and have some pretty transformative experiences uh, in conversation. So you you go and you type your query into a little box like you're used to with search and ChatGPT will answer you. Underneath that are the GPT models. Right now it's GPT-3, GPT-4 is coming soon underneath that. And that's a large language model and an algorithm that produces everything that you see in ChatGPT. And so as ChatGPT was released, you know, it got to a million users faster. We've probably all seen the statistics faster than Facebook and Instagram and and some pretty incredible social media products. And I think it really opened the eyes of a broader set of people to the technology that had been in development for a long time. I think I saw maybe eight weeks after release, 30% of Americans had tried chat GPT Mm -hmm. at work which is stunning. Yes. <laughs> like that is a, that is a shocking statistic because 30% of Americans are not early technology adopters. So the technology's here um and I I do think I'm excited to dive into what it means for HR tech specifically because I'm sure a number of people listening have given it a whirl themselves. Right. Right. And and there's going to be like with any technology there's going to be pros and cons, right? It's especially emerging technologies. Um and so let's just Dive right into it. How how have you? Because you got a, a jillion customers. How have you heard from them? What how they've used it or tried it, and 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 also some of the kind of the cool stories, and also some of the eh, this didn't it didn't, <laughs> it didn't work as well as we thought it would. With you know, which which is fine. You know, experimentation is part of this. But so with your with with you with yourself, your own company, and even with some of your customers, you don't have to name them, of course. But just what have been some of the ways that they've tried it? Well, we are having a lot of conversations about this with our customers. I'm spending now a lot of uh, deep dive time with some of our larger enterprise customers to discuss their strategy here. So we've certainly seen people try to write job posts with chat GPT. It's really tempting. Oh, um, God. Oh, you know, oh. <laughs> we've, we've seen people try to write sourcing mail. So, right. you know, hey, William met you at this conference, got a great role for you, that kind of thing. Um, we've even seen people try to write uh, higher stakes sort of feedback or performance management content. And I actually mm. just published a pretty large blog series over the last several weeks. I got one more to go where I went through thousands of examples of each of these with chat GPT to see the patterns of bias that show right. up Right. because there's no doubt, you know, what we're hearing from customers, certainly what we've seen ourselves is this is easy and fast, right? right. I think the time savings potential for people is really vast. You can you can get something that is bare bones written extremely quickly. The question is, can you send it? Can you publish it? Um, and are you right. going to be happy with the results? And I think that's where some of the issues start to creep in. So it's it's it, if we if we first of all using it for job posts scares the hell out of me. Um but let's let's say we do it that way. Do you see it as if if people were to do it, 
they would use it in a fast and an easy way, but it would still need to go through because it's not going to, it's not going to correct the bias anytime soon. Right. Cause well, it's, it's got to learn. I mean, even if it were, it's kind of, it's going to be years before it actually learns what the, what biases are there. Right. Well, it's really interesting. So if you ask chat GPT to write something generic, like right. write me a front end engineer job post, right. What you get out the other side, it's not going to perform well. It's also not going to embarrass you. It's pretty generic. Right. Um, you don't get particular levels of bias, but you also don't get anything that any real candidate is likely to engage with. As you make these prompts longer and more detailed, you know, you say things like, Maybe I'm writing a post for a front-end engineer at a healthcare organization in Chicago, right? You start adding a little more depth. The level of bias goes up in direct proportion to the specificity of the prompt, especially around race and age. Um, Gender bias uh, is there as well, but race and age bias are the stronger. So the longer the prompt gets, Right. The more biased the output becomes, which is, you know, kind of the opposite of what you'd want to see if you're really using the tool for your day to day task. So you either use it, you get something generic or you use it with more depth and you get something biased. So how do you when you've been talking to your enterprise clients, how do you kind of uh, again, it, there's a lot of excitement, a lot of articles, a lot of hype. All that's all that's great. And uh, but. How do you kind of talk? Now I say talk them off the ledge. It's not really the right way of phrasing that. But how do you how do you talk to them and say it is really cool for this, not as cool from a bias perspective for these things? And like, it's it's easy to get caught up in in the excitement of any of these of any tool. I mean, I, I virtual reality. Like, it's easy to get caught up in something and and just think it's going to change the world and not really think about the unintended consequences. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that's most compelling for people is to see the examples. So we talked mm. about job posts. I'll mention about sourcing mail for a minute. Right. Right. So if if I ask chat GPT to write me an outreach mail for, let's say, a machine learning engineer, and I give a set of criteria, you know, where this person spoke, how much experience they have, Maybe I say where they live, um, and maybe I mention that the candidate I'm looking at is black, right? It's not too hard for Chat GPT to write something. And and by the way, this is truly a subject line that I got in Chat GPT. Uh, machine learning engineer wanted bonus points for being black, nearsighted, and living in Arizona, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh <laughs> and, my! <laughs> and you know, so. Certainly when it's this egregious, most recruiters would not send this. Right. <laughs> they would they would right. edit it. The problem is what happens when it's one click less egregious. And right. maybe you don't know that you're tokenizing somebody in a way that is problematic. Um, you know, and so what gets written is going to contain issues. The question is whether you and your team have the tools to spot and fix those issues before you press send and make like a really big mistake. Um, And the degree of tokenization is just very high because the system hasn't been taught not to do that. Right. Do you, do you see it on the front end? 
of any particular HR technology is, is something that's done. Like I was talking to a gentleman earlier today and he's built digital workers that basically it's AI and machine learning and they go through lots of data. So think of like actuary tables, just tons of data and they find irregular irregularities. And then they basically mm -hmm. alert a human being to then make sure that it's a regularity. And so like, like that's a wonderful case of saying, okay, you know what? A human being can go, he goes through so much data in an hour or a day or whatever. And a machine can go through it much easier. They don't have to take breaks, you know, et cetera. That's like a great utility to then see on the front end of something that's human. So with, with HR tech, do you see a place for chat GPT on the front end of something? Uh, again, performance management, you use that as a great, as an example, not a great example, an example. Uh, do you see it in the future? Maybe once it's more sophisticated or it's been used more, do you see it on the front end of any of the tools we know? Well, I know a lot of tools will try to integrate the GPT or other language model technologies into right. their front end. I mean, that's definitely happening. One of the, and, and by the way, I should say, like, I'm a software girl. I believe in software. I built software because right. I do think machines are really good at finding patterns that people right. can't see. You know, we're all the product of our own experiences and that creates biases. The problem with some of these large language models is that they are not designed for the thing you're writing them for, right? right? There's one language model that is being used to generate job posts your letters to Santa Claus, your performance review, <laughs> you know, your product specification, your note to your mom, right? And so there's no opportunity for a feedback loop that helps you really see how the language you're choosing is impacting people in that context. So with job posts, part of, you know, when you're, if you're really building sort of a, you talked about learning before, if you're building a learning loop, part of how you know what's biased in the job post context is you see which groups of people have actually engaged with these patterns of language before. If you don't have that feedback loop, right, you can't actually detect bias in the data set. You won't know where it is, especially when it's not egregious, right. when it's subtle stuff. And so the problem with just consuming these large language models off the shelf as is, is they were not built specifically for HR tech, and they certainly weren't built for specific kinds of writing within HR tech. And so you will always push the, the bias forward. And it's dangerous because the documents can sound on the surface, well-written, professional, grammatical, right. right? right. And so you might think it's okay. And in reality, the engagement you get is likely to be problematic. Well, just like the the first time I used Textio for myself, it, it you know, I, I used it for a job post uh, 100 years ago, and it, and <laughs> it had a lot of color on it. Yes, I bet it did. <laughs> I, remember, I remember it popping up, and I'm like, "Whoa, wait a minute!" And it and it just it taught me again. It kind of it it, it I didn't know. Uh, it, it's not like I was doing anything on purpose. I just didn't know. And so, with these large language models, it's not going to be able to get inform you the the reader. It's not going to be able to inform the person that's getting it, and so it's not going to get smarter in that way. Uh, of, of That's learning right. those things. 
And, and as biases get pointed out, you know, there's kind of a famous example that's been written about a lot on the internet in the way, the different ways that ChatGPT writes about Donald Trump and Joe Biden, right? right. A lot of controversy. Um, OpenAI is trying to address bias problems, right. but the way they do it is by adding individual rules each time a case is pointed out. It's a little bit like having a toothache and taking Advil every day instead of just going to get the root canal. Right. Right. They they right. sort of stick on band-aid style individual rules. And so when you write anything that it hasn't anticipated and people have endless creative capacity oh, yeah. for bias. Oh yeah. oh yeah. The bias comes through. So actually I wrote um an article uh asking Chat GPT to write workplace Valentines, right? And which, you know, scenarios that hasn't been considered before. And it turns out when you're right Valentine's towards men or male coworkers, you get words like drive and ambition yep. and strength and professional. And when you write Valentine's towards female employees, you get grace, determination, smile, yeah. lovely. Yeah. And so when ChatGPT or, or the language model hasn't added rules specifically to filter these out, all the stereotypes in the underlying data set come through Right. in anything you're writing. Yeah. I, and what's, what's, again, in those words, you don't know those words are triggered uh, for people uh, unless you're informed. So uh, it's, <laughs> it's I, I think you're right. I know you're right, actually. There's going to be an, an onslaught of folks in, in our industry that are going to try to use it in some way. But large language models, either you know, chat GPT or OpenAI or, or whatever else, they're going to try to use it. But it's thinking about what are the out, what are the potential negative outcomes. Again, both of us are fans, uh, but not maybe not fans for its use in work. Uh, well, or, or I think I think you can use I think there are ways to incorporate the technology, but you can't do it without marrying the technology right. with the domain specific knowledge and data. If you just take it as is your if you're an HR tech vendor, your customers will write all kinds of problematic and undermining things. It will undermine their chances of success. If you can partner the core technology with a better data set, right. <laughs> you have the chance to do something really interesting. You know, we we didn't talk about performance feedback, but one of the interesting cases that when I was looking at this are the gender assumptions that come through. So if I ask ChatGPT to say, write feedback for a bubbly receptionist, guess what gender it assumes that person is when, yeah. when it replies, right? Yeah, just bubbly. Very um, consistent. Email. Like some yeah. of these really push through. And so if you just take it as is, um, you end up with a lot of problems. Right. I think that's, and, and I, we're going to see that as true as it gets placed anywhere else, anywhere as an outplacement or succession or compensation, anywhere that it gets placed that people think of creatively. Again, it's going to be, it's got to have another layer, which is great. That makes it more refined and more, again, less bias. Uh, or, exactly. Or we're going to we're going to we're going to find ourselves because biases. I think this is what well, you're the expert, but I've always thought of biases as not finite. Uh, more that we learn more about biases as we go along. Like you know, uh, I've written about biases, like kind of dumb biases, but like tattoo bias or music bias or things like yep. that. 
but it's like as we learn these things it's not it's not like it's they learn and you're done you just you're you're just it's like a peeling an onion if if you if you've ever done that it's just it keeps exposing more biases uh and th that we can learn from that's like, exactly right you know and and so people are really i think you're right it's not finite and people are really creative right <laughs> you know when i when i asked chat gpt to write a job post for an hr business partner who's a regular churchgoer it happily took the prompts Right. When in real life, unless you're hiring for somebody who's working at a church, that's probably not a relevant characteristic, right? <laughs> to and, con you know, to consider. And so, but it's because there's been no specific rule-based programming against that bias, and so it happily, you know, chirps along and gives you something that pulls that all the way through the job post, which of right. course and, you would not want to publish. And the large language models, they're not going to fix that on the front end. That's not their. That's not what they're trying Precisely. to do. Like if you Precisely. put churchgoer. Uh, it, it's it's actually illegal to talk about that in, in most cases uh, to ask, ask people what religion they are, etc. So if if done if 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 those large language models were trying to eradicate bias, when you put in churchgoer, it would then flag it. And that's and take, right, right? But that's right. That's not what they're. That's not their. That's not what they're trying to fix. That's not. That's not. Um, that's not their goal. Well, and especially not in the core data set. Like I said, they, right, they can right. add individual rules when enough right. people on the internet point out a problem. Right. Um, you know, if, if we point out that bubbly receptionists are always assumed to be female, then they can add a rule to make sure that that particular assumption is not baked in. But what about an organized kindergarten teacher? What if you didn't think about that one? Yep. Or a strong construction worker. What if you didn't think about that one, right? There's just right. so many combinations right. where the underlying data has bias baked in. So, so the last question for, and this this is really for practitioners to just consider, is using it and trying it uh, in their personal lives, uh, maybe using it and trying it in their professional lives, but really making sure that anything that goes out to candidates or employees has been vetted, like. <clears throat> more than you would in nor uh, something normal. Uh, how? What other advice would you give practitioners as they as they play with both kind of the, I will just say large language models because I, I think that's kind mm -hmm. of a better way to think of these things than just one brand. Um, how do how do you want them to kind of listen to this and go? Okay, hey, listen, the sky's not falling. It's just there's new technology. With new technology, there's going to be things that we like. There's going to be things that are great. There's also going to be things that, you know, unintended or intended uh, either way that you need to kind of be careful about. So what would you, when you're, again, talking to your prospects and your customers, what advice do you have with these large language models? So the place that I feel um, they have a lot of use and applicability is in um, really accelerating the writing of things that are fairly boilerplate where you have very detailed notes. So if you have a bunch of notes about your parental leave policy, for example, and you need to turn your notes into a well-written document, this technology is going to really help you accelerate it. You still need to read it and edit right. it before right. it gets published. But if you're writing things where you've got detailed notes, the content's fairly, you know, uh, documentation oriented, I think this can be a big accelerator for teams. And I think, you know, it's great to explore it. If you are writing sensitive content, 
you know, to a candidate, to an employee, certainly if you're talking about somebody's career, all the same biases that you're worried your team has in the first place are only amplified here. Because remember, the training data is just drawn from what real people have already written. And some right. of those people are your coworkers, right? right. It's, just the, it's just the way it works. And so you can't um, sort of set it and forget it, you know, produce it and publish it without all the same mechanisms and techniques that you're already using to address bias in the organization. The extra level of risk with this comes in that people are not actually writing it themselves. So they're not going through the internal interrogation process as they're writing right. to think, do I really want to say it this way? Um, you know, you skip that whole opportunity for the people themselves to be learning as they're putting their words on paper. And so it does require an extra level of scrutiny before you get it out the door. I'm pro I'll probably go further um, because even in that example where you have a lot of notes around the parental leave uh, thing, and you're building either a policy or part of the handbook, et cetera. Even that language can be, even even that language that gets published can be littered with biases. For sure. So I, I'm probably going to put a two, three-year kind of window on this to just say, yes, you can create it. You're going to then spend time with the document and make sure that it doesn't have those things. So Yeah. Well, I don't even think that's two or three years. I think yeah. that's... Well, that's an indefinite thing. Like yeah, you, you this the same way, like you wouldn't put your name on something and send it out the door without making sure it's good today. Like this, right. th this doesn't alleviate that responsibility. You, you, you know, if anything, it increases the responsibility because you had less direct oversight over what was getting written yourself. Right. It's it's what we learn about uh, contracts. You don't sign a contract unless you read it. That's um, right. There you go. <laughs> same same bit, same scenario. Kieran, this has been wonderful. I love Textio. I love what you've built, and I love your knowledge about this in particular. Just carving out time for us. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Lots of fun. Absolutely, and thanks for everyone listening. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com.